0: From the Cincinnati studios, Austin Gale here with Mike Renner on tailgate, prepping for quite the freaking week, man. We are going to Ann Arbor, and I won't say to close out the tailgate tour because we have some other games potentially in the mix. Could be the Natty, could be the Big Ten National Championship. Who knows? Who knows? It's coming down the pike, though, but we got Ann Arbor this week. I am fucking stoked for that, man. I We could be in Ann Arbor for the first time. Since I think the Declaration of Independence was signed, mm-hmm. that Michigan beats Ohio State. What do you put the odds they've at beat, that right now? Ohio State I don't before? know. It's hard. It's, I did think it was th- in th- my if a tree life,
1: falls I'm in least. the forest and no one's there to see it did it happen. Now, I so I've actually never been to Ann Arbor. Okay, uh, hand up as a bad Notre Dame fan. Never had made the trip. I've heard it's an awesome time. I will be wearing Ohio State gear. Uh, I refuse. I've worn home team You're wearing everywhere Ohio everywhere State gone. gear? I, I can't wear Michigan gear. That's for damn sure. So I'll be wearing Chase Young jersey. Yikes. I'm wearing Michigan gear. I'm so supportive of Ann Arbor, so
0: supportive of Michigan. That line is that it opened at 7 in favor of Ohio State. They're now favored by
1: 8. I might put my next month's rent on Ohio State minus 7 minus I hate. I hate to this day. It always pisses me off. And our company sent out mugs with Michigan on them because they were our very first college client. They were. Michigan, of all goddamn schools, our very first college client, and so we're always gets memorialized around the office that they were the ones. Notre Dame Iveson Doctor as well. but
0: For Michigan, for Michigan-Ann Arbor, Arbor, for Michigan-Ohio State, we are going to be at scorekeepers. It's a bar there, otherwise known as skeeps, for the big game between Ohio State and Michigan. If you are in Ann Arbor, we're going to have a table. Make sure you come by and say hello. We're gonna have hats. We got Ohio State hats, Michigan hats, all that stuff. Make sure you stop by. We are stoked to be going to this bar here. We got our own table all planned out here. We booked it like two or three weeks ago. Should be quite the treat, man. We are stoked to go to Ann Arbor. Shout out to Scorekeepers for holding it down for us. It's gonna be, man. I am, I am so stoked to close out the tailgate tour in Michigan. We also got some more to catch an early buzz. Denver, man. Denver brings on big contracts for Patrick, uh, Tim Patrick, and Cameron, Sut- Cameron Sutton. Courtland Sutton and Tim Patrick, uh, $15 million AAY and also $10 million for Patrick there. They are, in my opinion, putting up some money for these receivers to lure a big fish quarterback in free and see. I don't think this is a draft play. They're looking at Aaron Rodgers. They're looking at Russell Wilson. Maybe they're looking at I mean, I think a tier below that is like Jimmy G, Derek Carr could be on the moves. They want to make an upgrade, I think a veteran upgrade at quarterback, reminiscent of when L.A. went after after Peyton, and they're doing that with a star-studded receiving core. Sutton, Patrick, Judy, Hamler, there is a lot. And then the tight ends, no fan. They have a lot of talent there. Do you think it's enough to bring in a big fish at QB in the offseason? And what's your opinion of
1: those contracts? Oh, 100%. I mean we've been talking about it all year this roster was built is one of the best rosters in the nfl outside of the most important position in the nfl and yeah that, that if you are someone on the move someone you know one of the quarterbacks who is rumored to be wanting out of their respective franchises this is a very attractive landing spot now and it was before that and now obviously with Von Miller being traded, his money coming off the books, his contract being up this year, like they they have the space to do these deals. But even still, I couldn't believe like what these numbers came in at. I mean, Tim Patrick's comes in over a million dollars a year AAY over what Randall Cobb got a couple years ago, ten million. Like that's that is chump change for any caliber number one or, or number two wide receiver in the NFL, which I would put him in that range. Uh, I mean, he is a big-bodied possession type of wide receiver who also possesses some downfield speed. He's kind of like a better version of Alan Lazard there for them. And he's he's their number three, though. Like When that's your number three, that's a very good position to be in as a franchise. Corlin Sutton, I mean, we saw what he could do. Like He's never really had that guy at the quarterback position, and he's still put up 1,000-yard years. And for his number to come in, $15 million per year, putting him below someone like Jarvis Landry, putting him in that Robbie Anderson type of range is – that's a W. I mean, that's $3 million per year below what Kenny Galladay got in the open market. And I think you could say that their sort of career progressions or career sort of uh, production is very similar to each other and Galladay getting that much more on the open market. It has has to be a win for the Broncos.
0: It's great business for the Broncos and it's smart both for the short term and the long term. Even if they can't land quarterback, both those players I think are going to exceed that average per year that they're getting. I mean, Corey Davis on the open market was considered a massive bargain at $12.5 million. Tim Tim Patrick comes under that and Cortland Sutton only slightly over that. I think it was fantastic business for the Denver Broncos and you have to hope now that they land either Aaron Rodgers or Russell. I know you, a Packers owner and shareholder. don't want to see him leave. But I think Denver making a prime run for a quarterback in the offseason.
1: Let's jump to – like duh, yes. Duh,
0: (laughs) duh. Let's get to uh, the Week 11 review here, starting with Thursday night football. My goodness, New England Patriots come in and blank the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons were seven-point dogs at home, and still Patriots win 25-0. Here's a take. I'm going to be talking out throughout this, right? One of the biggest questions in football right now is who are the best teams in the AFC? And I think I find myself consistently putting the Patriots above some of these other contenders, like the Browns even with, with the state of Baker Mayfield lately, Tennessee, in a little bit of an offensive drought since losing Derrick Henry. Like, can we start talking about the Patriots right now? Mac Jones, rookie quarterback, not only has the best grade we've seen for rookie quarterback in weeks one through 11 ever. He ranks fourth among all quarterbacks. NPFF grade so far this year, New England's defense ranks fourth in EPA per play allowed or overall efficiency, the offense ranks fifth in pressure rate allowed and fourth in explosive pass rate. This is a legitimately playoff, it's a legitimate deep playoff contender for me. I know rookie quarterbacks don't go to the Super Bowl, but in an AFC where the Titans can lose to the Houston Texans at home, uh, you, you have the Buffalo Bills getting absolutely destroyed by the Indianapolis Colts. Browns look awful of late. Baker Mayfield not playing well.
1: Why not the New England Patriots in the AFC? Uh, This is, for my money, at least the best defense in the AFC. I I think it's a better defense than than the Bills. Uh, I do. I I think, one, because Bill Belichick is still Bill Belichick. He hasn't lost his fastball on that side of the ball whatsoever. And it's interesting because we've talked a ton. We've talked ad nauseum about defenses around the NFL, the wave of these too high, spread coverages, stopping the pass first. New England's kind of still going back to Bill Belichick's roots. They're still living in a single high world on the defensive side of the ball, but doing some unique stuff in their own right And what they do with their bare fronts, what they do with five-man lines, and oftentimes uh, having their edge rushers be coverage players as much as they are pass rushers. Uh, especially on early downs, they do a lot of interesting stuff from that perspective to sort of sort of shut down screen games, shut down quick passes, and I, I just think you, I mean you saw it in this game. They're very physical along the line of scrimmage. You're not going to necessarily be able to run on them, and then they have dudes on the back end as well. Like this is a very complete defense in New England, and they have a bunch of like versatile matchup weapons, like Kyle Duggar. I mean, like I talked about, their edge rushers being able to drop in coverage as well. Uh, Uh, I just really think that this defense is not going to – no one's going to expose this team kind of the way we saw Buffalo get exposed this past weekend.
0: I'm excited to see how they continue to build around Mac Jones as well. Already looking to the offseason a little bit. I know they're, like I said, deep playoff contenders. Quarterbacks don't go to the Super Bowl, but they will be competitive in the AFC – They have a cost controlled quarterback, obviously on a rookie contract with Mac Jones. They've invested a ton already on both sides of the ball this recent free agency, but I think they can continue to invest in playmakers, specifically at the receiver position and continue to add on defense with the contract, you know, the cap space they still have, even after breaking the bank last season and the draft capital that they do have. I think New England is in a prime spot with Mac Jones. And I'm not saying Mac Jones is better than Trevor Lawrence. This is the quarterback of the future, whatever, but I still think he's enough. And on this rookie contract, if he plays as well as he is now, they will be winning football games and a lot of them. 1 p.m. slate Sunday kicks off with an absolute dud from the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills are favored by seven at home. I bet the Bills and bet them heavy. Josh Allen statistically had his worst game since week four of 2019. Worst, lowest single game grade here at PFF since week four 2019. And now, you know, we've talked about Josh Allen and his regression or whatever, and like he was never going to be as good as last year, but it was going to be better than what we saw in 2018 and 2019. This offense ranks 19th in explosive pass rate. Josh Allen has the most combined dropped interceptions and regular actual caught interceptions. This Josh Allen is not playing well, and it's been up and down. It's been inconsistent. It's been reminiscent of that gunslinger we saw in Wyoming, and, at Wyoming, and that gunslinger we saw the first two years. The inaccuracy hasn't been as good as last year. Seth Galina tweeted out he's had one good season in the last eight years he's played, being somewhat sarcastic, but still, this Josh Allen isn't enough. Ranks outside the top 10 in PFF grade, and with this Bills defense giving him as much as they did to Jonathan Taylor on the ground, I don't know. There, we should definitely be looking at how Josh Allen is playing and some of this inconsistency and maybe why it's happening.
1: He was only under pressure... Eight times in this game, too, 37 dropbacks. Like, you can't even put it on that. He was literally just pressing. Like, he was trying to play hero ball too much. And you look at the grades this past three weeks 43.1 this past week against Indy, 92.8 against the Jets, and a 49.7 against the Jaguars. That's just, that's all time roller coaster play from a guy who, you know, was a legit MVP candidate halfway through this season people are talking about is he a front runner is he one of those guys we had talked about on the show that's just that's terrifying come playoff time when again you're going to face some top defenses some defenses that like i just talked about with the patriots is probably one he's going to have to face who he has not yet faced so far this season that's just worrisome when like i said that hero ball mentality or sort of tendency keeps coming out in him when they fall behind or things aren't necessarily going great for him to want to put it all on himself and win the games for you I mean some of that's on the play calling and how they are a pass first sort of team but you gotta he's got to reel that in like that is going to just that can turn bad in a hurry shit as we saw in this game
0: I want to flip to the other side of the ball as well obviously you got to tip your cap for the Indianapolis Colts Colts win 41-15 as 7 point dogs on the road let's talk Jonathan Taylor Carson Wentz has also been playing well, but Jonathan Taylor right now has 1,454 total yards and 15 touchdowns. The last time a running back won MVP was when Adrian Peterson did it in 2012. At this point in time and through week 11, Adrian Peterson had 1,323 yards and only seven touchdowns. The pace for JT is 2,2,4,7 and 23 touchdowns. That 23 touchdowns number is going to regress. AP finished with 2,4,2,1 and 13 touchdowns. Now we know. On this podcast here at PFF, running backs are not as valuable as the top fifteen, top twenty quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Let alone, you know, the, the the top three that should be in the running for MVP. However, MVP voting. Of, you know, is always looking at the box score, always looking at these guys that are dominating. If if Jonathan Taylor does clear 22, 23, 2,400 yards and has like 20 plus touchdowns, right now he has the 10th best odds to win MVP. Do you think there will be more of a conversation among voters, right? A lot of people at PFF will be like, no way, you should win it. A lot of people who just like look at the most valuable players on the football field won't say he should win it. But do you think voters could start to side on the Taylor side?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, for sure I think voters could. It's still not that ingrained in people and And honestly, like most valuable player is just going to be a quarterback award if you're really going to boil it down to that. And that's why it's kind of like other sports and stuff don't necessarily name or don't necessarily have value as the overarching reason to vote for a guy. Like it should just like most outstanding player, Heisman, that sort of thing. I I like that better. It's just like who is the best player? Um, because then you can actually have a debate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the NFL, everyone in their mother knows, maybe not everyone in the mother, but... A lot of mothers. Most mothers are aware of the fact that quarterbacks far outweigh the value of every other position. But he's been excellent. I mean, there's no, like, saying, there's no taking away from what he's done so far this season. it has been outstanding. But his epa per rush since week three which is you know or since week four excuse me he had those three kind of weeks that were slow to start the year since week four they've been far and away the best rushing attack in the nfl epa per rush would rank 11th over that span if it was compared to epa per dropback in the nfl so that's just like kind of telling yeah. you how the best rushing offense is still kind of just a very fringe high-end passing offense but it's when you combine that with quarterback playing at a better level like Carson Wentz has of late because defense have to account for that rushing game. But the big reason for kind of this resurgence, Braden Smith coming back in week eight. Quentin Nelson getting healthier as the season mm-hmm. goes on. This sort of offensive line that we talked about with the backups and Eric Fisher coming back from injury really being an issue early on this season has now transformed to one of the best in the NFL. That is why you're seeing kind of this confluence of events being and this offense being as dominant as it has. Are you buying the Indianapolis Colts as deep playoff contenders? I'm buying the New England Patriots. I'm
0: buying the Kansas City Chiefs. I even argue that I'm buying the Baltimore Ravens, but I am I don't know if I'm there yet. those are the top 3ish teams. You got Bills in the mix too. I'm not ready to put them in the top 3 top 4 category even after this impressive win.
1: I will say they're trending in a direction that I like better than Tennessee. Now they've lost yeah, to Tennessee twice. 100%. And probably still are behind the 8 ball in terms of like actually winning this division. But they are coming together in a much, much better way, whereas Tennessee's kind of falling apart, it seems. So uh, as a true contender, though, to win outright in the AFC, I still don't trust. I mean, like we've seen Carson Wentz when he cannot rely, when he, when he has to do it. Not when, when Jonathan Taylor isn't rolling for 100-plus with ease. When he has to do it, we've seen how that goes. On to
0: Bears-Ravens. Ravens, I think, were originally favored by six points on the road in Chicago. Then the news comes out late that Lamar Jackson is not likely not to play and then ultimately inactive due to a sickness. Bears were still two-point dogs at home with Tyler Huntley under center who got a lot of the reps in practice, so it wasn't like a late scratch or anything, but two-point dogs at home to Tyler Huntley. Justin Fields doesn't play all that well. He gets hurt. Annie Dalton has a late surgence, but not close enough. Ravens to win this game and cover 16-13. Losing to Tyler Huntley at home, in and of itself, should be at least rumored to be a fireball offense Mm -hmm. the fact that when tyler huntley was named the starter and your team isn't even a favorite at home shows just how bad the chicago bears football team is they can't figure out with fields they can't figure out with dalton have a ton of injuries on defense side of ball. it's an older roster do they i mean this was the last straw for me in terms of setting this thing on fire we need to move on from ownership we need to move on from coaching staff and we need to identify someone who can come in and actually this was the last straw for you this was the last straw for me
1: I mean, they've been out of straws for, like, weeks. Like, I mean, they're living on borrowed time, I, th- I thought. I, I didn't think anyone was looking for any other reason to, to like, really say that's it for this coaching staff in front office. I, mean, I, I think we found I, I was looking for more reasons. I was okay. looking for more reasons. But well, this one was ultimately more... the straw
0: that broke the camel's back for me. Like, this yeah. – this you can't. You can't. I don't care if Fields gets hurt. Not being – you can't lose a Tyler Huntley at home. You can't lose a Tyler Huntley home, let alone be a two-point dog when the when the spread adjusts. Yeah. That shows just the doubt in this roster, it shows the doubt in this team to actually overcome any levels of adversity. And uh, yeah, I'm out. I'm out on the Bears, and I'm out. On, I think they need to set fire this thing.
1: The Ravens are kind of yeah. I mean, I've been out on the Bears. Like I, I don't, I don't think that's really a debate. I think I said that last week on the mailbag. But the Ravens are more interesting to me because they kind of squeak by. Like they have to. Three point win at the Bears, two point win against the Lions. They've had some like oddly close wins, and now we're talking about the AFC. They're a half game out of first. They're seven and three. Their Titans are still in first at eight and three after their loss, which we'll get you here in a second. But the Ravens have to be kind of thinking so, some higher power because they have not. It, it hasn't seemed like a seven and three type of football team, no, right? No, like no. they like they, they have not. They've gotten blown out in games. At times this year, and again, like I said, played the Lions close, played the Bears close, obviously with backups, but surviving this was a massive W for them because they, because we've talked about how much this buy could mean, and they kind of are in a very good position to still secure that. Now, obviously, very difficult AFC North, but uh, the Ravens have to be, like I said, thanking, thanking a power above. That it's been a wild still season. they the top of the AFC North. Oh, yeah. Wild oh, season God. for both. AFC, so two of the last three weeks. The number one, the top team in the AFC, has lost to the worst team in the AFC. Yeah, <laughs> and well, I also, I- how does that happen?
0: <laughs> I also say. That the Ravens have battled a ton of injuries. I mean, they've they've had even preseason like Peters, Gus Edwards, Jacoby, and they've had so. Many, yeah. And now Lamar Jackson, and now and it's been an an insane year. I don't. Mean, you could argue that they've been one of the teams, or if not the team, most impacted by injuries this Rye, year. Ryan
1: Stanley, Rashad Bateman.
0: It, it's been a battle. It's been a battle, yeah. and they've still they blew out the Broncos on the road in early October. Blew out the Chargers middle of, through that, but then lose bad to the Bengals at home. Like they, lose it's the been up, It's been an up and down. It's been an up and down season for, for the Baltimore Ravens, but they still find themselves in seventy 3 They're not if- alone.
1: It's been the weirdest AFC, AFC at the very least, has yeah. been just so, par- so parodic? parodic par- mm-hmm. Parody? Parody inducing? I don't know. There's a lot of parody in the AFC. So I'm,
0: I'm buying Baltimore over Tennessee, though. I'm buying Baltimore. If Lamar Jackson can come back healthy, I think they're the better football team. And I think Tennessee, I don't think the Derrick Henry impact is, a, is, a, is some of this, but even with Derrick Henry this year, they rank 13th in EPA per play on offense and 12th in EPA per play allowed on defense. They have not been the number one AFC team yeah. that their record states. They have not been that good. I think Sam Mata on the NFL podcast spoke to They've been built on stilts a little bit all season. Yeah, They've battled a ton of injuries at receiver. A.J. Brown actually played well in this one, but Tannehill not enough. Like, I, I'm, I'm interested to get to that Titans game. Let's just keep moving forward. Lions-Browns. My God. The Lions and the Browns this season have been wildly wildly disappointing and we've been searched on this podcast we've searched for reasons why it's been obj it's been injuries you know all along the offensive line injuries at running back and all this stuff but let's just get ahead of the let's get ahead of this it's qb yeah baker mayfield has not played well this year it's been inconsistent roller coaster and every fast of the game pocket presence all this stuff i'm going to list off the only quarterbacks that have graded worse than baker mayfield this year justin fields rookie taylor heineke Sam Donald, Zach Wilson, another rookie, Jared Goff, Davis Mills, a rookie, Trevor Lawrence, a rookie, and Big Ben. Only eight quarterbacks have graded lower than Baker Mayfield, and all of them you wouldn't, you wouldn't call even have a shot of grading higher than Baker Mayfield ahead yeah. of the season. He has been such a – I mean, you could argue he's been the most disappointing quarterback this year. You know, no one had high hopes for Fields, Wilson, Mills, or Lawrence in year one. Everyone saw Ben Roethlisberger fading at late last season. Baker Mayfield was supposed to take this ascent, right? Like, he was supposed to, in year two with Kevin Stefanski, actually progress. And it just hasn't happened. More inaccurate, one of the most inaccurate seasons we've seen from Baker Mayfield. Highest rate of turnover-worthy plays. And just not figuring it out under pressure. At this point, you know, we talk about being slow to go on this contract extension. They might have to start thinking about, like, actually how they want to address the
1: quarterback position sooner rather than later. I mean, he's hurt. Like, I'm not too, if I'm like a Browns fan, I'm not not pushing the panic button that hard. I, I'm just, I'm sitting Baker Mayfield. This is he was not healthy. Like he should not be out there because he is not playing good football because he is not capable of it right now because he's got a torn labrum, has this hip injury. He's got all this injuries piling up to where you are not yourself. And, and like, he is quite obviously because he's worse than at any point we've seen him in his entire NFL career. And that's not how he quarterback, even back college. Yeah, like, like that's not how. That's not how quarterback progression goes. The man is hurt. Sit him down. Play the backup. Let him get healthy. There's no reason to be subjecting him to these hits. Like his wife or whatever calling, saying, you know, he's a warrior and had to battle or whatever on her Instagram. It's like, I didn't see that at some point, (laughs) like there's, there's being a warrior. There's playing through injury. There's willing, there's the willingness to do that. And there's also the cognizance of I'm hurting my team by being out there. And that's where he is right now.
0: So you think it's, I, I, I mean, if it's all because he's not healthy, then
1: obviously the panic button. I mean, it's not all, like, obviously, like, decision-making is still decision-making, but he's missing mm-hmm. more throws than at any point in his career. That, the accuracy again, stuff like is probably the biggest concern, right? because yeah, like you that. have not seen him be this inaccurate with the football. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's not a concern. The dude's hurt. Like, he's mm-hmm. physically, like, you don't just decrease accuracy again, like, later on in your career. You decrease accuracy because your body's not capable of being as accurate.
0: Before we get to where am I heading here? Before we get to Texans Titans X Chair, a new sponsor of Tailgate. Working from home is more important now than ever. Optimize your home office with an X Chair and our many accessories to enhance your focus, productivity, energy, and comfort. Once you feel the customized support of X Chair's patented Dynamic Variable Lumbar or DVL, there's no going back. We got the X Chair here in the office. Every single person in this office asked me to sit in it at least once a day, once or twice. You need to get it. It's all in the LMX Massage and temporary temperature regulation, exclusively designed and made for X chair with versatile comfort and extraordinary design. X chair fits any space, high performance, quality engineering, extreme comfort. Those are all reasons I love my X chair. Now I can't wait to be at work at sometimes, even if I'm not working, I sit in my X chair just to get that feeling. Take my advice. Try X chair for yourself. Risk free for 30 days. Go to X chair, Now that's X chair, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E.com or call one 844 x chair for a hundred dollars off your first order. X-Share has a 30-day guarantee for complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. x If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Love to see it. Texans at Titans. Sam Monson on the NFL podcast tweet out a clip where he kind of talked about this game as a trap game in that Titans have been built on stilts, maybe looking ahead to the Patriots in Week 12. They got the t- Texans at home, favored by 10. They shouldn't lose this game. No one showed up to play in this game. It, it was easily Ryan Tannehill's lowest-graded game since 2018. That's how bad it was. Both sides of the ball for Tennessee, outside the top ten. I already sp- mentioned that. I'm not buying this Titans team over the New England Patriots. I still, I said I was going to ring it throughout the show. New England Patriots, for me, are comfortably like chugging along, moving ahead of some of these teams that are fading down the stretch. To lose the Texans, not just lose, but lose as bad as they did. They were never in control of this game is, is, is a huge indictment on this Titans team. And I think they need to bounce back in a hurry, but I don't know if they can.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, we never thought they were as good as the record. Like, we were always saying they're kind of paper tigers. They're still a good football team. This was a fluky, fluky game. I mean, the pouring rain. Uh, Ryan Tannehill seven turnover-worthy really plays, the most of any quarterback in a game this year. I actually need to go back and find out how many that's the most. I, I can't recall seeing seven in a game. I think maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick had that many in a game a few years back. But that is rare. There, no one else has even had six turnover-worthy really plays in a game so far this season. Uh, just a brutal, brutal performance from him. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of just – talks this this to me is about the susceptibility of everyone. This year. There are no, there are very few complete teams on, in the AFC at least. I think the NFC is much better but there's very few teams that week in and week out you're saying I feel very good about them. You know and, and that's why we're saying the Patriots best defense in the AFC and then an offense that while it may not be super explosive and super like dynamical I'm worried about the Patriots offense putting up 30 on us this week they're consistent mm-hmm. they'll get 20 every week like they'll they'll be on schedule they have a very good off the line they're not going to turn the ball over so I think that's why we're gravitating towards the Patriots
0: Mac Jones only continues to improve as well as he gains more experience and I do think that consistency is what you need to lean on as you get closer to these late months where it is going to be pouring rain where it is going to be colder I think the yeah. Patriots are, do have that consistency we didn't bring this up in the catch and early buzz Florida obviously fired Dan Mullen and now there's odds out according to Bet Online who will be the next coach Billy Napier the Louisiana coach and friend of the show is the favorite Kiffin, Kiffin short after crystal ball etc Tim Tebow though 100 to 1 odds who says no why not Tebow Tebow has at least called right they didn't call Tebow but Tebow has at least called
1: Tebow is not a coach he's not a coach he, he's not a coach not a college coach no he's not going to coach
0: you don't think? I don't think he wants to coach. I would be very interested in seeing Tim Tebow as a coach. I'm just saying. It'd be worth it. It'd be worth it. from a from a fun-to-watch perspective, which we'll get to later. I think it would be worth it. Um, Packers at Saints. Brutal loss for your Vikings. shareholding, Green Bay Packers. This was one of the best games to watch on Packers TV, Vikings. Packers Vikings. Oh, sorry. Packers, Vikings. Packers Vikings. Oh, sorry. Packers-Vikings. Packers-Vikings. Vikings were two-point dogs at home. Vikings win 34-31. And what was... One of the, if not the most enter- entertaining game of the weekend, and they didn't even get—they didn't even get good Kirk Cousins. Most turnover-worthy plays in a single game for Kirk since 2020 didn't grade all that well, even though he's been a top-five graded passer all season. Where it really showed up, Justin Jefferson was phenomenal yeah. in this one. Darnold Savage missed some opportunities, I know that, the drop picks and stuff like that. But still, going toe to toe, this was a wide receiver battle for me. Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, both. Game play in and play out. We're 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 dominating this one in an all-out shootout.
1: Yeah, they the Packers had done a very good job all year of kind of protecting, hiding their cornerbacks, and they got exposed in this one. Uh, The Vikings did well offensively to get one-on-ones on on the outside, which one-on-ones with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen against Razul Douglas, Eric Stokes, and Kevin King is just that's a dub, and you saw that, and now. Packers still had their opportunities. I think that was the biggest sort of takeaway for me is that Darnell Savage could have had four picks in this game. He was legitimately—he had one called back by a rough-in-the-passer call, which was rough-in-the-passer, uh, sadly. As it was. As much as I hate to admit it. No, that was—I um, looked at that one closely. That one was. That was. I will give you that. Uh, but then he had the one that was—kind of got broken up by Adam Thielen— had the one at the end of the fourth quarter that I was screaming about. And then I was like, oh, that I, that one I was like a little borderline that it should have gotten overturned because there wasn't a look, at least that we saw on TV, of the ball hitting the ground. Like I know it bobbled, mm-hmm. but we never saw the ball cleanly touch the ground. But obviously it more than likely did hit the ground. But then there was the one where the P, he got called for PI where he if he would have just turned around, he was... In a better spot to get to the ball than Justin Jefferson, so there were the opportunities there to be made. The Packers just flat out did not make them, and, and Rodgers was kind of not himself in the first half, even though he fucking lit the world on fire in the second half. That was one of the best halves of football. Well, he said he's got court- the injury backs. right. I mean, any said- quarterbacks played all season, he was just that dude didn't miss a throw down the stretch. But so unfortunate for the Packers. But the biggest loss to me, Elkin Jenkins. Yeah, of course. Like if they they were banking on the fact that when David Bakhtiari comes back this was going to be a game-changing type of offensive line with Elton Jenkins, Bakhtiari, and as well as some of those young guys have played. And now all of a sudden, I mean, in the meantime, without Bakhtiari, it could be ugly with Yosh back at left tackle. I do,
0: I do think one of the more entertaining things of the weekend, too, was Aaron Rodgers' post-game press conference about the injury where he was like, they were asking about what is it? Like, what is this toe injury? What's going on? Is it like turf toe like what Devontae had? And his immediate response was... No, it's not Turf Toe. It's way worse than Turf Toe. And I was like, okay, Hardo, what the fuck is it then? Okay, why are you playing on it? If it's worse than Turf Toe, Turf Toe is, like, legitimately awful. Yeah. Oh, no, no. He, He literally was like, no, it's not Turf Toe. It's way worse than Turf Toe. Okay, buddy, if it's worse than turf toe and you're out here grinding, do you want a cape too, Ben Roethlisberger? I mean, Jesus Christ. Anyway, I I do think that the injury has to be hampering him, right? He went in early at the half because
1: it's bothering him. Yeah, it was such a weird scenario. Like He could have thrown a Hail Mary there or at least one play to the sideline because they got the ball back to like 35 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, he's in the tunnel. In the was... t-
0: well, he said his toe was hurting. <laughs> yeah. right, and it's well, worse than those. turf toe, Mike.
1: Yeah. Give him a chance. He got to go rub some clay on it. Yeah. Oh, no. Well,
0: he said, uh, that's another point, too. He said, I hope to get some healing. It's like, dude, mm-hmm. the hell? That's the verbiage. I just I got don't it. understand it. All right, Dolphins at Jets. Jets, three-point dogs at home. Dolphins win comfortably. And I will say, this is the best pass protection Tua Tungvaluwa has gotten his entire career. Only seven pressure dropbacks in this game. And not a lot come from the tackles, some from the interior and stuff like that. I think the tackles only combined for seven total pressures allowed. Austin Jackson kicked into guard, actually had zero pressures allowed for one of the one of the few times he's had that in his career. They didn't ask Tua to do a ton. I think he had a 5.1 average depth of target, a lot of his stuff coming after the catch, only four total attempts, 10-plus yards downfield, but it was enough. And I mean, it was enough to operate against a very bad Jets football team.
1: Wait, where are you seeing only seven pressures allowed? i am seeing 12 pressure dropbacks on... I only saw seven. I'm seen an under pressure. 35% of his drop backs yet again, because that's just how two operates. Uh, but he was very good on okay. this. Um, I, I thought he played well. I will say, though, the pick was rough. But the worst play to me in that game was he had a free play. They, they had a D-line, a nose tackle, jumps off sides. He has a free play. Threw it out of bounds. I was so upset. I was like, that so was a free play. No, I mean, he had to have known it was free play. Now, one, because it's a nose tackle jump. Like you literally see that when you're in the shotgun, you see that it was a nose tackle jump. And two, like he's he's rolling out to his left and sees a flag like flying through the air or has to at least at some point have crossed his vision, and he just throws out of bounds. I was like, that just is a lack of awareness that I cannot get on board with. That that uh, that would worry me if I'm a, eh, not too much, but like that's just. I couldn't believe that, and also then that bomb he had, where he had to put about everything into it to get it about fifty yards on the football field it was a little tough. To I mean, see, the, but the arm strength stuff is gonna, is, a, is a continued joke, I guess. But yeah, his accuracy is—I mean, it was very good in this game. He didn't miss a lot of throws. Twenty-seven to thirty-three
0: for two seventy-three. Like you said, though, only only four attempts, ten plus yards downfield. They were not they were not pushing the ball yeah. downfield. And they, don't they don't
1: have, have to. They not have time. you yeah. are never gonna have time.
0: Offensive line, you hate to see it. You hate to see it. Uh, how about for the Jets, man? How, how, what, Joe Flacco didn't look terrible in this one, plus 1. 1.5 passing touchdowns. I mean, if you're a
1: Jets fan, you just have to be like, you don't want to see – you'd rather see anyone but Joe Flacco right now. You know? Like, there's no reason. Now, Elijah Moore, balled out. Fantastic game from him. That is your sort of silver lining for this game. Uh, I think he had eight catches for 141 in a score and looked legitimately – you know, electric in the process doing so. That's obviously, and the thing about Elijah Moore is, you know, he played slot at Ole Miss. We called him probably a guy who's going to get pigeonholed in the slot because of his size. He's playing outside receiver there. And and he's looking good too, and he's winning from the outside. So that's always good to see. But again, it's like, You'd see, you'd rather see Mike White out there ten times out of ten. You don't, you don't give a shit about what Joe. Flacco
0: Develop looks like. a young quarterback before yeah. you prioritize wins and stuff. But I guess a lot of this you're trying to evaluate other players too, right? You're trying to, yeah. you got to yeah. see if Elijah Moore can swing it too. Over the last four weeks, yards per out run leaders: Debo Samuel, Justin Jefferson, Elijah Moore, and Devontae Smith are the four in highest yards per out run average. Elijah Moore balling out with the Jets of late. Um, Saints and Eagles. Eagles are rolling. Eagles, win big as one-and-a-half-point favorites, 40-29. Jalen Hurts, I think there's going to be a lot of conversation. We've already had some of it on this podcast about what do they do with the quarterback position. There is enough with what Jalen Hurts has done to have some interest in building around him and, and, and wanting to keep him a part of the plans. However, I will say – if they do love one of these quarterback prospects and can, ha- and he is available with one of their 10 to 20 first-round picks in that 10 to 20 pick range, I still don't think if you love a prospect, Jalen Hurts should keep you from adding that competition. That doesn't mean you give him the job outright. That doesn't even mean you let him start for a year. But if you, if you do love a quarterback prospect, I still like the idea to compete, but that doesn't mean you're giving up on Jalen Hurts. Again, a lot of people think, when you're talking about quarterback, like, oh, you, you, buy, you, you bring a first-round pick that's burning a first-round pick. No, those picks have value. Jalen Hurts yeah. has value. If he starts to ball out, none of it all matters, and you can move on from that first-round pick. I still think that you want to compete there just because they have the capital to do so. Three first-round picks, why not do that? That's, that I, I still stand by that, even though Jalen Hurts is playing well, and there's enough there
1: to want to build around him. Yeah, he's playing well, but it's like keeping context why he's playing well. It's because they have started to, and we talked about in the preview show. They've started to be this run-first, grind-it-out, behind one of the best offensive lines in the NFL type of team. And with option looks that Jalen Hurts can afford you, and with sort of how that takes back numbers in the running game, they have been dominating on the ground. They are the second in terms of EPA per play uh, since I said they went run-heavy in like week five since they really transitioned to being that run-first type of football team, second-best EPA per run, behind only the Colts, who we said, you know, MVP-type candidate. And they're doing with shit, you know, Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, this like trio of backs who no one would say are you know, Jonathan Taylor-level dominant, but they are getting similar results, again, because they have this very, very good offensive line, and Jalen Hurts, who's obviously a dynamic runner in his own right. So that's helping a lot. I mean, he has not last four games, he hasn't had t- even 200 yards passing in any of these. They, they have a—in terms of EPA per dropback, they're 16th in the NFL. They are an average passing attack. But a very good rushing attack because of what Jalen Hurts affords you. So, I will still say, you know, it's been the results have been good. Not so much so that we're like going to again pass on uh, the chance of elite quarterback play. But you got to give Jalen Hurts credit; like he is not, you know, making necessarily those mistakes with the football. He's not losing you games for sure, uh, and they've been winning a blade. What do the Saints do?
0: On the other side of this, Saints are five and five. Um, Obviously they have injuries at quarterback. Trevor Simeon is playing football for the New Orleans Saints. An older roster, an expensive roster. We talk about Russell Wilson, we talk about Aaron Rodgers. Like what the hell is next in line for the Saints? I know you've, you know, talked up a big game and rightfully so about Sean Payton and how he's coached this year. But in terms of long term success, in terms of seeing the Saints as deep playoff contenders, they don't have the horses to do it, specifically under center. I think they're another team that needs to try and make a significant move in the offseason for a QB.
1: Yeah. I thought they would have been in play for Cam Newton, honestly. Uh but at this point it's like you're you're screwed. You know, it's like the, that's the most valuable position. That's why we talked about all off season that they could be in the market for like about the quarterback position there and James Winston this being obviously make or break year for him. But yeah, Saints are just buying the eight ball. they have no there's no options there.
0: Before we get to football team at Panthers, Manscaped just launched new products, including their new, all new, ultra premium body wash and two in one shampoo and conditioner. It's time to give yourself, for someone who needs it, the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and balls this holiday season. Go to manscaped.com and use code PFF for 20% off and free shipping. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the signature Lawnmower 4.0. This is this electric trimmer has proprietary advanced skin safe technology to reduce cuts on your nuts it's also waterproof so you can use it in the shower or snow or sleet doesn't matter they've also just launched their new two-in-one shampoo and conditioner which has key ingredients with benefits that include hydrating nourishing conditioning the scalp strengthening your hair at the same time tis the season to load up on manscape products so get yourself your dad your brother and friends the best gift of all the manscape performance package 4.0 get 20 percent off and free shipping with code pff at manscape.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscape.com and use promo code pff clean up your nuts and make santa proud this year <laughs> that's that's the best end to a tag an ad tag i've ever seen clean up your nuts not for santa but to make him proud what have you done to make santa proud this year Does Santa get proud of you? I've never,
1: like, heard of that as the thing. Not you, you're a freaking piece of
0: shit. When's the last time you shaved your nuts for Santa? When is, I'm asking, when is the last time you shaved your nuts for Santa?
1: I do it for myself. Oh, wow. I don't need his approval.
0: Fair enough. Santa's turned down. All right, football team at Panthers. Panthers favored by three and a half. Man, Kim Newton, to start this game, was lava. And this offense was humming. Christian McCaffrey playing well. That throw to Christian McCaffrey was was sick. Yeah, But... I think you have in your notes here too, like conservative down the stretch, the offense kind of stalls. On the other hand, the roller coaster it, that is the the prodigy or the the prodigy of Ryan Fitzpatrick that is Taylor Heineke, the roller coaster struck the high side of Arians, man. That fourth down play he had was dope, stretching it out long enough to get the ball out there. I think this was this game could have gone either way. It felt like a coin flip at the time, and ultimately Heineke made better plays late in this game to win them this football game on that key drive. But I will still sign by, stand by. The Panthers have something positive in Cam Newton and he's still adjusting the offense still adjusting the playbook etc there is no reason to go back to Sam Darnold when he's back healthy. I don't even think there's reason to go back to P.J. Walker. Finish this season out with obviously a fan favorite, a Charlotte favorite in Cam Newton to close out this year, and then reassess the 2022 quarterback market in the offseason. Don't hitch your wagon to Sam Darnold, in my opinion. Look to Brock Osweiler, trade that mother, that guy. And then with Cam Newton, obviously, I don't see him as the long-term answer either. You need to go get aggressive at young, at youth, in my opinion, for a quarterback.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked about that one all week. They're also, though, in a position where – it's easier said than done with where they're going to be at and where, you know, shit the rest of the NFL is going to be at in terms of wanting, needing a young quarterback. Uh, Cam Newton in this one, though, he's somewhere along the line. He got, he turned into this conservative, conservative Cam. Like, back in when he was MVP Cam Newton, he averaged 10.9, average depth of target. They were downfield. He was... His first read or his first look was intermediate, past that linebacker level, somewhere, and I I point to the drafting of Chris McCaffrey as that somewhere. He started his eyes started to dip and said, "I'm going having two options. One's the underneath, one's the guy like I said at the intermediate second level behind the linebackers. He will go to the underneath guy, and he has consistently been that. So 10.9 average up to target that year. They won the MVP. 11 the next season." This year, five five point four in this game, seven point three last year with New England. He has just not been that guy. Seven point six back in twenty eighteen when he was the last full season with Carolina. I don't know what happened, but it's really that to me is the bigger sort of like you're not going to win a lot of games purely via underneath. And it's like, oh great, seventy seven point eight completion percentage, awesome. That's didn't do much for them in this one.
0: Panthers now, I think, officially out of playoff conversations I think we give them a two to three percent chance of making the postseason as the seventh seed don't see that happening um Panthers ultimately on their way on their way I don't know uh
1: I wouldn't write them out two percent I mean like no one's good in the NFC no one's good outside that top tier of the NFC there's not a lot of got teams I'd trust after the Cowboys Cardinals Rams Packers Bucks you wouldn't write them out so that's what you got that's five teams right there that you can put in the playoffs two more spots what you, you, you think bet that. You think, the, you think the Niners? You like the Niners better than them right now? You like the Saints better than them right now? I mean, I probably like the Vikings better than them right now, but that's the only team with a better record ahead of them that I like better than them. What about, five. I mean, Philly? Yeah, I probably like Philly better than them right now, but it's like Panthers do have a very good defense. I don't know. I wouldn't write them off the playoffs. That's all I'll say. Don't write them off. Don't write off the Carolina Panthers. You should bet that. You should find the odds for what they are to make playoffs because yeah.
0: I'm telling you right now, it's fucking low. Let's see. Let's see. Very low. You take a look at that while I get on to the next game here. 49ers Niners at Jags, and I would take the Niners over the Panthers right now. They're rolling. Jimmy G over the last four weeks, I think his highest graded quarterback. They win big. 30-10 over the Jags. Jags were six and a half point dogs at home. Some people are talking about, okay, yeah, Trey Lance is the future, but Jimmy G's playing really well in this offense that's predicated on yards after the catch. Everyone knows the statistic that a lot of his yard, passing yards come after the catch. He's got a low average of the target. Debo is getting snaps out of the backfield and catching passes near the line of scrimmage and winning that way. But Jimmy G playing as well as he is, and maybe they do want to hitch their wagon to Trey Lance in 2022. Do you see some teams calling for Jimmy G in the offseason to bring him in if they do want to go after and, and start Trey Lance in twenty twenty two, how do you how do they approach this? Right, like if Jimmy G continues to play as well as he is, do you just not start him in twenty twenty? You can't do that, right? I mean, you have to do something at the quarterback position.
1: Um, I mean, you are not going to pay him twenty seven million dollars though next year. Uh, I don't think anyone's coming for him though at that price point. So he's probably just going to get cut. But he's just going to get outright cut. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as he's not playing that well, like he's he's playing okay football. Mm-hmm. Like, you, bare Basement, Teddy Bridgewater level. Which I think, okay football is worth a lot. <laughs> okay football is
0: worth a lot in this league where there's a lot of dumpster football out I there. I
1: mean, Teddy Bridgewater's got traded for, at his price point, got traded for what? Was it fifth?
0: I could see that for Jimmy G. I could see, you're going to be surprised cut him, you would you? got
1: that. I, and that was at even a lower price point then because they ate a bunch of that salary. Uh, I think they're going to cut him out, right? Because they saved $25 million against the cap uh, to do so. So I do think that that is ultimately where it goes with that, especially with, you know, Trey Lance going into year two. Um, More interesting side of the ball here to me is the Jaguars and what they do, especially with the coaching staff, because I am less and less impressed as the weeks go on and as changes aren't made to this offense and basically just... Now, they, they don't have talent at receiver anymore. Like, everyone that was talented is either hurt or shit they didn't have a lot of talent to begin with yeah uh, so it was so overstated
0: how good their receiving core was it's not even funny yeah. offseason talking about dj chark lavisca chanel marvin jones jr it's like no chark yeah you know, yeah i know some of them got hurt but this is not a good receiving core offensive yeah. line also isn't good and yeah. you have a new coaching staff this whole thing yeah. was overstated since the jump
1: yeah i mean uh steven ruiz who works for the ringer tweeted out all his clips of all his incompletions and you just go back and watch and it's like it really hasn't been necessarily his fault. He's not making the bad decisions that he was early on in the season. Like those have kind of gone mm-hmm. by the wayside. There's just not good decisions to be made. You know, yeah, there's just yeah, not yeah. there's just not opportunities for him out there. Is the problem right now? Uh, so I am, like I said, very unenthused with the way this coaching staff has tried to help him out and try to alleviate that this season.
0: Panthers are plus six fifty on DraftKings Sportsbook to make the playoffs. Worth the bet if you're keen, six six 6.5 to 1. All right, Bank, Bengals Raiders. I am the kiss of death for the Bengals. If I like the Bengals, they win. If I hate the Bengals in a week, they fucking, or no. If I like the Bengals, they lose. If I hate the Bengals, or say they're not going to cover or whatever. They end up winning outright. My yeah. Raiders at home, one-point dogs, win, lose 32-13. Two things. Derek Carr is playing like shit. He's got more turnover where he plays in the last three games than he has like almost over the last two years combined. Henry Ruggs effect. Henry Ruggs effect is an effect, but I also think like Told you. the fumbles. He has 70 fumbles since 2014, most of any player in the NFL. Yeah. Like th- th- there is was it? a lot oh, of. Since cons- 2014. Yeah. I was like,
1: that's a very Dan- Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones
0: dude. is up there since like 2018 or yeah. whatever. But the Raider Raider Nation, if you will, the fans took a turn on Derek Carr in this game. I saw a lot of the Raiders fans that I follow, or whatever calling for his job and it's finally over. It's time to end the air. It's time to end the air. And you have him in the press conference that like they've had losing season after losing season over the past, you know, since 2014. He's like, it's all on me. It's all on me. And it is. It is all on him at a certain point. Like him not elevating above this top 12 to 14 QB that he's always been with how shitty this roster is, is always what's going to be the problem. That's why I said from the jump, this Raiders team, from a roster perspective, is not going to be good enough to take a Derek Carr to the postseason. It's why they should trade him and get value for him because you are going to be consistently trying to build a supporting cast that can elevate Derek Carr into this 8-6 to six range that you need to go to the deep postseason. And then defensively, they just got absolutely exposed against the run. They couldn't really rush the pass yeah. on Joe Burrow. He's getting the ball out quick or whatever. But in the run game, this this run defense was horrendous. Gave everything they wanted to Joe Mixon, especially on the edges. It was, uh, it was a dismantlement, man. This was an ugly, ugly game, a throw-out-the-tape game for the Raiders.
1: I will say... I, we've given a lot of shit to Zach Taylor on this podcast. Um, so giving some credit where credit's due. He he, called, he he threw up some dope concepts in the run game. The fake flea flicker was sweet. Yeah, that was... Could have cool. gone for a much bigger play than it went for. But then the wineback touchdown where he gets uh, uh, J.D. Spielman. Was that, is that who it was? Lead blocking on a little like... Oh, yeah. No, it was not, uh, it's uh, Stanley Morgan. Stanley Morgan. She's uh, an other Nebraska receiver. Um, Stanley Morgan. Lead blocking on the... Uh, jet motion, that was sick as well. Like that, those were two cool concepts that really threw kind of the defense forward loop and aren't really, you know, those aren't like traditional run game. That's like you don't base your run game off of those concepts, but to throw those in as kind of wild cards if you hit them both for big plays was pretty awesome in that game. Uh, the problem though is still for this Raiders team that Derek Carr is protecting one of the worst offensive lines in of the NFL. Mm-hmm. That they had a 40% pressure rate against a below average defensive line. That's unacceptable like that's that's not winning football we said it's going to go in the tank when without uh, without Henry Ruggs because that speed threat is irreplaceable in any offense. Um, and you get Brian Edwards though they are going 23 routes without a single target in this game because he's not a separator. We've been tracking man coverage win rates this year. He's bottom ten in the NFL for starting wide receivers, Brian Edwards, so far this season, and that's why you're not getting a target, uh, unfortunately. So they just do not have the supporting cast anymore that's even close to being able to win with.
0: Do you do you agree that they got to blow it up? Like, I mean, what do you do? I mean, there's so many picks on defense too, where they're just not panning out. John I mean, Abram played like shit in this game. Linebackers are just castaways from other football teams. Yeah defensive backs. I mean, they're starting Brandon facing out there and no one even have to, half the NFL fans don't even know who that is. Like they need help so aggressively that I do think that hitting a hard rebuild and getting, I mean, what do you think you could get for Derek Carr if you trade Derek Carr? The a problem, here's the problem. Plus? It's
1: like you, 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 want to get all these picks, but then you see what they've with those. Picks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know. But that, I, I don't think you can look at it like that. John Gruden is no longer making decisions for this football team. You have to think he had a big helping hand in the picks that they've made. Right. And like, You can't just say, "Yeah, we don't trade for picks because we're not good at drafting." It's like, okay, then you need to get better at drafting. The problem isn't trading for picks. The problem is you're drafting like shit. Even if you just draft off consensus boards, you're going to end up in a better situation than you were before. I just don't think like trying, like like we've said that we've had this conversation a thousand times. I don't think trying to win with Derek Carr, with as shitty as this roster's been, Derek Carr's going to be like forty by the time you even have like a good person, like good supporting cast.
1: I. I, I think he's shown like when he had the supporting cast that that offense was good, straight up was, but it just went in the tank, obviously. So all right,
0: off this game, Cowboys Chiefs. What I thought was going to be the game of the weekend, it just wasn't. Did it was not happen I was looking for points, man. Where are the points at? I think a lot of people will jump on like, hey, this Chiefs offense is back. It's all back. It's like no. The bigger spotlight should be on Steve Spagnuolo, who put on a fucking put, brought his bag out for this Cowboys game. Bags. Spags, Connor McGovern gets to start at guard, which I didn't think people expected. Chris Jones plays way more in the tier than they expected, and he just just shit all over him. Dak Prescott was under pressure consistently. Uh, They also didn't have Amari Cooper in this game, which is a fact they didn't have Tyron Smith. A lot of people talked about how there were a lot of injuries on the Dallas Cowboys side, but I thought Steve Spagnuolo called a fantastic game, got after a very good offense, and then offensively, the Chiefs played well. I think Tyreek Hill was special in this one, but still like you're not seeing like these 30-40 point outings that you did against the Raiders. I wouldn't say the Chiefs offense is back back. I think this was just a big breakout performance for the defense.
1: Yeah. I mean, you have about 50% of the Cowboys salary cap not playing in this game. You know, like you have Tyron salary Smith, cap adjusted injuries is pretty Amari high. Amari Cooper, DeMarcus Lawrence, I believe those are the three highest-paid guys outside of Dak Prescott now not playing. Uh, That's going to be difficult, you know, like when you're losing three of the best players. It's difficult to win. So I'm not going to, like, make sweeping sort of generalizations about either team heading away from this game, except for the fact that I do think the Chiefs' defensive resurgence of sorts has gotten swept under the rug. Like, their offense is still – I said their offense I don't think is ever going to get back to – the levels we saw from it like you're or just it's not going to look the same as it had in the past because i think the book whatever that is out there on them is going to at least limit those big plays like you will not see the explosive immediate scoring offense that we saw in years past because teams have a better understanding of just how the Chiefs' offense works how they generate those points and so you're gonna have to play a different game if you are the chiefs to light up scoreboards. And they're still kind of in that adjustment phase to doing so. But this defense that was dogged early on in the season, that everyone's laughing stock of the NFL—I mean, they were Daniel Sorensen—and they were terrible. Has since that Bills game where they got blown out, first time Patrick Holmes got blown out after the Super Bowl. They've allowed fourteen point five points per game, one of the best in the NFL since then. And yeah, they faced Jordan Love instead of Aaron Rodgers, but and obviously, yeah, you know, they faced the Cowboys without Tyron Smith and Mark Cooper. Okay, whatever. But they look legitimately good in this game. And like you said, Steve Spagnolo, all he's doing in terms of just throwing the kitchen fucking sink at opposing offenses, like they are, he is doing everything left and right in terms of disguising coverages, bringing blitzes, not showing, not tipping his hand has been massive. And I think the two biggest things here, two big things for them going forward, Chris Jones on the interior is a much different animal than Chris Jones on the edge, where he started the season. That was dumb. That should never have happened. He is much more impactful consistently. From an interior alignment. Two, trading for Melvin Ingram is a massive win. That guy can, uh, just anyone who can win one on ones for the Chiefs on the outside is huge because. Even 20% of the time. Because opposing opposing offenses against the Chiefs are going to be in a lot of passing situations, a lot of obvious passing situations. And up until this point, until they traded for him, they had no one who could win those one on ones. You know, you could dial up anything you wanted against the Chiefs and not have to worry about pressure. That is not the case now. This defense line has some real teeth, and so I think this this while the offense may not be back, this defense is at, at least competent, which it didn't look like it was going to be early in the season. On to
0: Cardinals at Seahawks, but before we do, this Thanksgiving, be thankful for family, food, and free bets. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a turkey day no-brainer you can't miss. New customers can bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and won $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. You heard that first. If either team scores a point. If Sportsbook is available in your state yet, you can still get Thanksgiving NFL action, make your first deposit, and you can play free... Play free for millions with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and $100 in free bets. If either team scores a point, that's promo code PFF this Thanksgiving at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Cardinals at Seahawks. Kyler Murray, late and active. Seahawks were originally two and a half point dogs. That number got close to a pick. Cardinals still win 23 13. Colt McCoy out-dueling the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson. And I know Russell Wilson, it was magic healing in his finger that got him back, but like this offense is butt. And how we talked about Matt Nagy and that being the camel, the straw that breaks the camel's back. Where are you at on this Pete Carroll discussion and what the, maybe not, maybe not losing out on Pete Carroll, maybe not firing Pete Carroll, but I think this whole thing needs a reset, maybe even a reset under center and just a complete rebuild because this, this Seattle Seahawks team has gotten bad in a hurry.
1: Yeah. I, I, obviously the injury Russell is what derails the season. They, they're not what three and seven now without that, but, it's it's difficult for me to throw one season under the bus because just because of one injury at in the quarterback position. Like he's obviously not the guy we saw early on in the season. His two lowest graded games of the year have come the last two weeks to Green Bay and Arizona. Like far in ways two lowest graded games of the year. He was rolling prior to that. So obviously I think it's still affecting his play. Um, so again I'm not going to worry too much but not to the degree where you should put up 13 points over two weeks. Like, I, I don't know. There's not going to be necessarily answers for the Seahawks team because, like we said, this defense is so bad. Um, that's kind of the bigger issue to me going forward is that they've just gotten no talent on, in this secondary outside of Jamal Adams, who he himself did not play great in this game. But the cornerback position, they've just ignored it for so long that they're building kind of the wrong way in, in the NFL. Which is, you know, by trading as many first round picks as they've have over the John Schneider era for guys who are not worth two first round picks like Jamal Adams and just letting positions that are very important like Edge, like cornerback, go completely unaddressed. And they're kind of reaping the reaping the reaping what you sell, basically, at those two positions.
0: As for Arizona, I think we faded them. A little bit when, you know, when Arizona was without Kyler Murray, they have here, you know, Colt McCoy comes in and plays well. The defense also shows up against Seattle. Yeah. In an NFC where there is some more solidarity, there is some more, you know, people, there isn't such a week to week league in the NFC, right? There
1: are some obvious powers. Where yeah. are you on in Arizona right now? This was, I mean, if you're a Cardinals fan going into this game, here, and Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins are out, shitting fans. Because yeah. you're, you know, like, you're. You're at 8-2 and two heading into this week. Packers are at 8-2 and two heading into this week. You have lost to the Green Bay Packers already. You drop a game and the Packers beat the Vikings. All of a sudden you are, I don't want to say out of the one seed, but that is an uphill climb for you then to get back into the one seed picture. The opposite happens. They win. Packers lose. Take command of the NFC. And with the way the defense has played this year and obviously you know, exceeded our expectations... They're in the driver's seat, for sure. I think they should be considered the favorites now in the NFC.
0: Steelers at Chargers. Chargers favored by six. They ultimately don't cover. And what was ultimately a bad beat if you were a Chargers backer. Chargers win. What a fourth quarter. I know. That fourth quarter was insane. It was great. Sunday I went to football. bed
1: before, too. man. I was like, I I need to fucking work tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, I yeah, need yeah. to get some sleep to work tomorrow. So I went to bed because I'm like... So
0: you woke up to this disaster? Yes, I oh, was like,
1: wow. I was like, do you think the Steelers are gonna, you know, put up points? And obviously, it wasn't necessarily because the Steelers' offense, but yeah. they did, and that was a that was a fun one.
0: Surviving a late special teams scare, I thought they were. I thought this was a Chargers meltdown of all Chargers meltdowns. But biggest takeaway I had in this one: Deontay Johnson's phenomenal. I think he, you know there was some conversation on the broadcast about him entering this tier of like top you know, number one receivers in the NFL. He had a handful of really exceptional catches in this game, also some good routes. And then for the Chargers, Keenan oh, Allen, exactly. et cetera, all playing well. But, man, Justin Herbert, I think he had over 370 passing yards, 90 rushing yards, was excellent in this game yeah. against pressure, modified the pocket, accurate with the football. Man, are we... I mean, Justin Herbert needs to start entering this conversation of like top quarterbacks, top young quarterbacks in the NFL, right? You're always going to put Aaron Rodgers ahead of of these guys, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. Like this Patrick, I'm not saying he's in the Patrick Mahomes tier, but this next era of quarterbacks that, you know, with Josh Allen getting that contract extension, it's not been a great year, but still, Josh Allen in that conversation, Mahomes in that conversation. I think you're going to have to start putting Herbert in that conversation. I know people like Burrow as well, but this is football is in good hands, man, because Justin Herbert is playing exceptional. Football for Los Angeles Chargers. So much that and in an AFC that's as rocky as it is, don't count them out, dude. They got stars on both sides of the ball. Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Justin Herbert, Derwin James, all playing well. Chargers, man, sleeping giant in the AFC. I
1: I still, like, I, th- I feel like their defense should still be better. I don't know. Like I, I'm a big fan of the talent on this roster. I think it's one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. Like, I, I still just, like, I, I don't know how they – now, obviously – they allow those, you know, the, basically the 20 or 17 fourth quarter points on the backs of, you know, special teams, punt block, uh, weird ass pick off of Cameron Hayward's helmet. And then the fourth down call that was one of the worst fourth down calls I've seen all season. For them to just run a basic punch duo play on fourth and inches against one of the best tier defensive lines in the NFL was, in my opinion, a little ill advised. Obviously, did not work out for them. But yeah, I, I mean, I believe I told I we, I was on the show said they were a top it was a couple of weeks ago said this is a top three team in the ASC and I stand by that I think they have the talent to do so, but they they need to you know build on this they need they need to start looking like it more because again I've said they've kind of underachieved for how good I think like they have a they have a negative points against their uh, point differential this season so far still. They uh, they've gotten more points scored on them than they have scored themselves despite being 6 and 4. So, I'm so hopeful that they start to look like it as down the stretch here, but we shall see.
0: All the reason too, right? I mean with all that talent and, you know, that yeah, Brand Stanley coming in, there's some newness on the coaching staff as well. You have to hope with eventually the consistency and talent that they have at marquee positions this will be a better football team towards the back half of the season and into the postseason so much that, I mean, you don't want to be one of those teams in the AFC going against the Chargers, man. I think they have too much talent to be even treated as like more than four or five-point dogs against any of the top powers in the AFC. All right, Giants at Bucks. I already was said. I'm in on the. I'm in on the Giants plus eleven. Mm. Are you sticking? Are you sticking on Giants or where are we yeah. at with the Bucks? Yeah, sticking. Giants plus eleven, baby. Giants plus eleven. Show me Tom Brady. I called out Tom Brady on Thursday. <laughs> Call him out. All right. Before we get to the fun to read, fun to watch segment, we have a bunch of those um, shouting out Western Southern. Whether it's football success or financial savvy, the right questions help set the stage for winning strategies. Western Southern is teaming up with PFF's very own Chris Collinsworth to share insights that can help put you ahead on both your finance, fantasy, and financial scoreboards. Want to hear more about Chris's old playing days or behind the scenes with Al and Sunday Night Football? How about a need to know for your financial future? Now you can ask about either or both. And every football or financial question you ask earns you a chance to win a catered party for February's big game. Check out the Chris Collinsworth podcast on Western Southern's Instagram for answers for best questions each week. Submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash Chris. One more time, that's westernsouthern.com slash Chris. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the description, the link in the description below. Remember, with Western Southern, you can rest assured on game day. Dan Orlovsky f- funneling or fueling our fun-to-read segment this week. I almost quote tweeted him on Saturday when this came out, but Trevor Sikkim told me not to because he didn't want to spark debate. Fine. Dan Orlovsky tweets out first, Chris Olave equals Keenan Allen. Which you know of itself is wild. The body comps are different. Keen Allen ran a four-seven. Chris Olave is, from what I've heard from Ohio State defensive backs and even Ohio State receivers, he's the fastest receiver on that team. I mean, he has a
1: verified four-four in their SNC. Yeah,
0: training. Then Hayden Gro- Grove, who well, I don't know who that is, Hayden Grove, who is a pro and college sports social media producer and reporter for Cleveland.com, so the Cleveland Plain Dealer said Garrett Wilson equals who? Danarowski responds. This is the best one. This is more fun to read than the Olave Allen comp. I say like a combo of Julio Jones and Devonte Adams skill wise. Wait, did, uh, did he mean Devonte Adams? Yeah, what he do meant, you mean? I he think writes meant-
1: Devonte spelled like no one spells Devonte. I think Devonte Freeman might spell his name that way. He spelled it with all A's. No, Devontae Freeman doesn't even spell it that. No, way. no one. I don't think that anyone way. spells it
0: that way. I think he had to have meant Devonte Adams. I was thinking right?
1: Devonte Smith maybe, with the weird spelling, with the A at the end. I don't know, but. Some some random Devontae. If it's a
0: combination of Julio Jones and Devontae or a combination of Julio Jones and Devontae Adams, what the fuck? My quote tweet that I have saved in drafts was, I think you forgot God himself, which I think is not. I mean, what are you doing when you're comping a guy to like two of the best receivers in the game ever? I mean, that we've seen over the past 10, 15 years?
1: Garrett Wilson is that good? We're going to have a segment come draft time that just revolves around bad draft comps. I love that. Because there's so many that get tossed around. But Chris Olave. To go back to that one again. About three tenths of a second faster than the forty. Now Keenan Allen had an injury, whatever, uh, before he ran his coming out when he ran a four seven one. Probably more like a four high four fives guy on tape. But speed is not his game. Whereas speed very much is a big factor of Chris Olave's game. He is twenty two pounds, twenty four, excuse me, twenty four pounds heavier, Keenan Allen is, and an inch taller than Chris Olave. Like Keenan Allen's game is also like Yak ability after the catch, not Chris Olave's game at all. There's there's like no comp. Like they're they are not similar type of players. I don't know what the fuck that one is. But then the Julio and Devante is just like shit out of wall. That one was That's steady. a shit
0: out of wall. That's literally like nothing at nothing. I mean that, it, it, that doesn't make any sense. I don't get it.
1: But it, it's a good I don't to think remember you that actually no one, comp no one is above just dog shit comp. Can you no matter how comp? how much football you've watched, how much you can intricately know the game, and I have no question about Darren Lofsky's ability to break down what's happening on the football field. No one is above a shitty comp. The sort of like that, you no, know, just like seeing like when you see someone on a college football field and like how good they are in a college football field, and how much like Garrett Wilson cooks this Michigan State corner. You could it's difficult to separate the fact that, that Michigan State corner sucks nuts mm-hmm. compared to what he's <laughs> going to see in the NFL. You know, like yeah. is absolute. It's just a different – you're seeing a different game against different competition, and it's difficult to relate that.
0: All right, should we get to the fun fun to watch? It was fun to read. It was fun to read. It was fun to read. read. All right, fun to watch, watch. First one comes from Danny Werfel, former Florida quarterback, also former NFL quarterback, Heisman Trophy. Um, This is a first in the fun to watch, watch. It is. He said shortly after the Mullen News, obviously – Thanks, Coach Dun, Dan Mullen, for investing in the young men that made up Gators football for the past four years and for an electric offense that was a ton of fun to watch, all the best. You can get fired for having an offense that was t- fun to watch. Why would you ever say it again? Yeah. Anyway, fun to watch fun. was Dan Mullen's offense, was, emphasis on was. Jermaine Johnson, according to Aaron McLean, who is a college football analyst for ACC Network and ESPN, Jermaine Johnson is an absolute animal, all caps, so much fun to watch 236 likes can't can't disagree I, I think German J- Jermaine Johnson is also, is fun to watch yeah last one here from Matthew Barry of ESP. Animal
1: is a good also term that means nothing
0: yeah animals used pretty often we got tagged a ton in this one the uh, matthew Barry said man Reminder Stevens is fun to watch that one's just <laughs> the purest form the pure just man uncut fun to watch For- 1500 likes I need to see the quote tweets what a take. Definitely. Someone quote tweeted, definitely. It's like mm. someone quote tweeted Boomer sooner, baby. It's not a compliment. Dan Mullen's offense yeah. was fun to watch. And you Stevenson could be fired tomorrow. Just ridiculous. Start using it better.
1: Where is it good? Matthew Barry is very guilty of the fun to watch. That's not his first appearance on this. Matthew Berry and Colin Cowherd, I think are the two most most abusers of the term.
0: I just want to see better uses of it. Better uses of fun to watch. It can't just be a tweet. It's fun to watch. All right. Your cake, what was your cake your pants moment of the weekend? It was Notre
1: Dame making the <laughs> college football playoff. You see the shirt? This is the shirt from 2012, last time they made the national championship Notre game. Dame is not going to make the playoff. Um, they are. Do you Have you seen the odds? We have the fourth best odds, according to PFF, right now to make the college football playoff. They have... Outscored their opponents 119-9 to in the month of November. They are coming in hot as any team in the country. They have Stanford this weekend. They have the fifth best odds, according to PFL. Okay, fifth best odds. I saw it differently. Which doesn't help. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, Oregon losing now means, I'm just going to set the stage for you. It means Ohio State is playing a juggernaut. They're going to beat Michigan, which Michigan's ahead of probably Notre Dame in the rankings. Michigan's gone. Mm -hmm. You have then Georgia, Ohio State in. Cincinnati, they went out. I think that's table set for mm-hmm. them to be in. If Georgia beats Bama, and then Georgia handles Bama, they're not going to reset that matchup again. Yeah, That no one would want to see mm-hmm. that. Would that would kind of like defeat the purpose of a college football playoff to have killed a team the last time, the last week of the regular season, then have to face them again to prove that you're the best team in, in the land. No, they're not going to put Alabama they're in there. They're going to put Notre Dame in, and so they'd put Notre Dame in. This now, is They my could nightmare. put the Big Twelve winner. That's possible that they would jump them, but it wouldn't have a lot of quality wins. Whoever the Big Twelve winner would be, and they'd also have. Whether it's Oklahoma or whether it's Oklahoma State, would have a pretty bad loss on their schedule. So, Notre Dame, Notre Dame's only loss loss would be to a number three or a number. Wow. Wow. So, and Notre Notre Dame would be still hot. Notre Dame, piece of shit,
0: Notre Dame. Dave's looked
1: good. Okay. You got (laughs) to say they've looked good. No,
0: they have. They have. They have. Over the last, I think, I think Anthony Tresh tweeted this out. I think over the last like four or five weeks, they ranked top five in e paper play. They have actually looked a lot better than the start of the season. I think they, here's the problem with Notre Dame they started the season off sluggish. Then they lose to Cincinnati, and everyone's just like, fuck them. Yeah. But then they've rallied back, which speaks to a friend of the pod, Brian Kelly, how much he's rallied this team back. Notre Dame is catching fire. So you're thinking the playoffs are going to be Georgia, Ohio State, Cincinnati, Dane. Yeah. That's not a bad
1: take. And if Cincinnati loses.
0: Oh, yeah, of course. Notre then they're Dame. toast. Yeah, then they're toast. Cincinnati so. has to win out. But so there's multiple
1: a, ways here. There's multiple paths. There are multiple paths. paths who do they have here. this week? They have Stanford, Ooh, which reminds me of a good story. Uh, so oh, yeah, you've told me totally this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is my very first year in Cincinnati, 2015. This was the year that the Stanford game last week of the season. Um, they are – I think they had one loss going into that game. This was the Sean Kaiser's first year starter, or kind of when he took over for Malik Zaire. One loss uh, going into the Stanford game. They win. They beat Stanford. They're getting the college football playoff. Uh, I'm at this bar and I see this girl that I had actually matched with on Hinge at this bar, t- t- sort of like in the middle of the second half, and it's kind of a tight game. I go over, start talking to her, how huh, things are going well. Um, and obviously the game's starting to get tight, and like I'm like kind of like trying to do both, watch the game, talk to the girl, everything's going well. Uh, I'm with my brother, went to Notre Dame, my old roommate from when I lived in Chicago, and then my old roommate from college who went to Notre Dame, and so we're all like very invested. Game Notre homers. Notre and when. If you remember this game, Deshaun Kaiser scores a rushing touchdown with maybe 40 seconds left to go up. I believe it was two, maybe one. We go up one. I think it was rush touchdown. Whatever. I would lose my mind. Like I'm like, that's it. We're going to make the playoff. I go start celebrating with my brother. My room. We're like screaming. I had this bar. We're like, yes, they did it. They did it. And I go back to turn around to look at the girl who I said I matched with on Hinge that I'd been talking to. Her, her friends. Out of the bar. They had all left. They they apparently hated me. This is what it was. I don't know if they hated me, but they were gone. Within like 10 seconds of me turning around. And then I'm like, whatever. Notre Dame's going to the playoffs. I care less. Yeah, yeah. I could care less. 30 seconds later, Stanford rolls down, makes a field goal game over. Stanford wins. So you lose the
0: girl and the game. Yeah. Wow. It rarely happens.
1: We're about to have a very fun night. It was on, I believe, a Friday or Saturday, whatever. We just went home.
0: Went home. Just went home. Just took defeated L. Yep. That sucks, ah. man. I'm sorry to hear that. I don't have a similar story. San Diego State's never been on the brink. Rookie of the week. Pene is not, not only rookie of the week this week, but he's been playing well, man. He's been playing well for a while now, and I think it's been understated because the lines are absolutely shit. But Pene has been every bit the player yeah. that they wanted him to be coming out.
1: Yes. He hasn't allowed a pressure now the last two weeks, and that's after switching. zero sacks over the last five weeks, too. After switching to right tackle, which we said could be an issue. Now, they've given him some help. That's for sure. It hasn't been just him going one-on-one. They haven't thrown him out to the Wolves, which is what you're supposed to do. Um, But he's been good, even in the run game uh, the past couple weeks as well, above average grades in that regard. So, Panay Sewell looking like the dude we thought. Also give a shout-out to Elisha Moore. We said he 8 of 9 targets, 141 yards, touchdown, looking good. And then, Micah Parsons, my God. Three Guys, I love in the pre draft, by the way. Micah Parsons is just an animal. Like, straight up watching him chase down Patrick Mahomes outside the pocket on that one sack fumble is insanity. Like, the speed with which he closes is out of this world. Like, it, no one's ever caught Patrick Mahomes from behind, seemingly, at least no defensive lineman. And Patrick and Micah Parsons did it in about a tenth of a second. That was Micah Parsons Seven might be.
0: Micah Parsons might be a better Julio DeVonte Adams comp than Garrett Wills. I mean, he is like a rare he is like a rare motherfucker. He does not yeah. he looks different on the field regardless of the position he's playing. He, he has, has been phenomenal for this defense.
1: He's tied with Max Crosby and Miles Garrett for the highest pass rushing grade in the NFL right now. I think it's like a, it's a he's like a shoe-in to win <laughs> rookie of the year. Uh, if you give it to anyone rookie defense rookie of the year. Yeah. yeah. He Is I mean the dude minus four hundred. No other player is even more than plus one thousand. So he's walking, walking to defense. I mean, we said it coming out. He was the lone blue chip prospect in that side of the ball. Mm -hmm. He was the best. It was him. It like. Did not he was the best linebacker prospect? We and seen. it was off-field stuff, stuff in was the, and the character
0: concerns yeah. that obviously awesome. like yeah. s-
1: spurred a lot of the other things. Last,
0: so, last but not least, blackout of the week: Eric Stokes. Actually, Jr. this would be least. <laughs> oh no, least no. Last and least, blackout of the week: Eric Stokes, Jr., Green Bay Packers cornerback. Not a good day at the office seeing yeah. that Vikings offense.
1: Yeah, he got Justin Jefferson. If you want to make that I a- I don't verb. Um, Thirty point oh, thirty point one. 30 point one excuse me coverage grade not good 102 yards in this one touchdown lost of catch point blown coverages I, I he's actually exceeded my expectations for a rookie but you do worry I think the biggest thing is his catch point stuff he has lost is cannot find has not found the ball on a number of occasions this year that have led to big plays some mental mistakes and especially in this one came back to bite sadly
0: can we actually close with this last but not least yeah. The USFL, coming in 2022, has announced their eight teams. Spring football is coming in 2022. Where are they, they going to be? Michigan Panthers, okay. Birmingham Stallions. Every It's every year. Does everyone, everyone have a Birmingham? Stallions. I don't know. New yeah. Jersey Generals. Okay. Houston Gamblers, Philadelphia Stars, New Orleans Breakers, like, like title break, Pittsburgh Maulers, and Tampa Bay Bandits decide now you have 10 seconds to decide your favorite team there's none like anywhere close to us there's none even Pittsburgh's, in the what,
1: Pittsburgh what Pittsburgh would be the one yeah I like the Maulers I'll go Maulers um I'll get Houston I'll be a Houston fan they deserve a team Houston gamblers yeah love it
0: all right that's gonna do it for this episode of tailgate make sure you rate review and subscribe to the podcast until next time our Wednesday episode Austin Gale Mike Renner tailgate.